0: loads of Bible content to get to today. Um, so we're going to jump right in and uh, get get our feet not just wet, but we're going to like dive in head first and start to get into what Paul is telling us in the text here because it's, it's crucial stuff for who we are and how we do this thing called being the body of Christ. And we'll see some interesting ways that manipulating and twisting things that God gives us as a gift for ourself will actually hinder the progress of the gospel. So let's go ahead and look at that. First thing he says there, verse 14, 2 Timothy 2, is this, remind them of these things. And we're going to press pause here. We're going to camp out. We're going to unpack just this one phrase for a good while here, because in so doing, we're going to kind of see where we've come from in Second Timothy. We're going to kind of see what the argument is that Paul's been making. We're not going to flesh all that out but we're going to sort of encapsulate that a little bit by giving some color to this phrase remind them of these things up to this point in timothy in second timothy paul has been telling timothy i need you to remember two things primarily remember two things remind yourself of two things number one the gospel The content of the gospel, that God in Jesus, perfect, sinless, lived for us a life fully divine, fully human. It's the only way it would have counted so that we could know him and have relationship with him forever because he paid for our sins. That's the gospel. We talked about that last week. Remember Jesus Christ. That's the content of the gospel. Two things, number one, the gospel. The second thing that remind them of these things means up to this point is the people who have communicated that gospel to us, to Timothy, to Paul. Two things, the gospel and the people who communicate the gospel because those two elements are the primary elements involved other than, duh, obviously the Spirit of God through the content of the Gospel and people who are uh, communicating that. Those are the two elements that are about fanning the flame of the Gospel in the world. So Paul starts off here by, by recalling all of that for Timothy to remind them of these things. This is the sixth and the final time that we come across this concept of remembering or reminding in Second Timothy, I think it's the sixth time because it's important enough to keep saying, Paul keeps reiterating it, he keeps saying, don't forget this. It's also the final time because I think Paul is saying here, okay, Timothy, here's the shift that I'm making. You have been reminded of this. You have this content of the gospel, this faith that you have from those who have come before. Now it's time not just to remember what you have, but to remind them, he's making a shift here in verse 14, to remind those who are under his care of the things that fan the flame of the gospel. So in chapter one here, Paul has said to Timothy here, God started this whole process of faith. He was faithful to my ancestors who were faithful to me, so that I could be faithful to you, just like Timothy, your ancestors were also faithful to you, and I was faithful to you, so that you could know the gospel. He's recounting that process. And now he's saying, Remind those around you of this same process. Remind them that that's how they came to know Christ. Now, Paul doesn't mince words when he comes to this responsibility. When it comes to this responsibility to, to wield what you're entrusted with in the gift of the gospel in a way that fits and accords with, that goes with what God gave it to you for, Paul does not mince words about this. He takes super, super importantly the responsibility to live in himself, not just by what he says, but by what he does, to live the commission of Christ to make disciples. He says, uh, as he writes to the church at Ephesus, who is here in 2 Timothy, we'll talk about that later, he says, make the best use of the time because the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity, he says, for the days are evil. The days are short. Jesus is coming back. You don't have forever to do this. You have to have a sense of urgency about this. Make the most. He doesn't just say like, okay, you know, when you get a chance here and there, fit it into your schedule. I imagine that the first part of this book is sort of like Paul uh, giving an an impassioned plea to his protege, Timothy. He's saying up to this point, he's saying, listen, Timothy, it isn't just enough to remember for yourself yourself. That is not in keeping. That is not in keeping with the intent of the gift of grace that you have. What your ancestors sacrificed for you to be here is meant to be passed on. What Jesus did for you on the cross is too important for it to end here with you. The cost of his death is is too high a price to pay for you to just sort of fritter away opportunities to communicate the gospel, to fit it in your schedule when you happen to have a chance as opposed to living a gospel-centric life where you're doing that intentionally. I think Paul has a passion about this because the price paid by Christ, perfect, sinless, innocent, the price paid by Christ so He could cover our sins is too great for us to not realize that when you have taken up your cross as a believer in Christ, as a follower of Christ, (laughs) when you have taken up your cross like Christ, you do not have the luxury of sort of neatly fitting the Gospel into your peaceful and pleasant little plans and project of self-control. That's not what this is. The truth of the Christian faith is that God died so you would die so that you would joyfully trash hell-bound, selfish purposes for the inexhaustible joy of participating in the same exact thing that Christ did for you. Can you imagine something better? So Paul says, listen, Timothy, it's too important. Jesus died to wrestle you from the tyranny of belief in your own adequacy. So fan the flame. Do something with it. It's a treasure of grace. Because when others were investing in you, I mean, listen, this is how this works. When others are investing in you, they're doing it hoping that you will invest in somebody else. That's in in keeping with the gift of grace. That's in keeping with the Gospel. So Paul is pleading with Timothy and with us, I invested in you and Jesus died so that there would be a Gospel return on your life. That's sort of where we're at right here when He says, remind them of these things. <laughs> remind them of where they've gotten to and that there needs to be a Gospel return on their life. I don't know if you've ever done this. I, every once in a while, just by default, I'll be thinking about somebody and uh, my mind begins to go to all those people who came before in my life, the, the teachers and pastors and the coaches and uh, people who were mentors for me, uh, friends of my my family, my own mom and dad, have you ever just sat quietly and and in your mind run through the names and the faces of of the wonderful uh, men and women of God whose lives carried the torch and fanned the flame for you? I mean, think of what a, a wonderful and precious gift that is. To know that others believed in you and, and loved you and, and, and invested in you despite your failings, your faults, your immaturity, your silliness, your misunderstanding. All of us have experienced all of that where somebody came along and said, listen, despite all that, I'm investing in you. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy here. Because you know what it's, What it actually is when somebody invests in you like this, when somebody believes in you and they invest in you, it's Christ-like grace. Undeserved love and mercy and grace extended to us through a person and the Spirit's work in them. Christ-like grace extended from God through somebody else to you. That is participating in the joy of redemption. And that's what it means to be reminded of these things. To set your mind on things above, to be transformed by the renewing of your minds, to be reminded, reminded of the beauty of the gospel. And so here Paul is saying, You have to remember this. You have to remember this because this is the task for you to take it to others. Let's move on here. 14b and following. He says, Remind them of these things. It's time for you to give this away to others. But he's going to give us a, a warning about this process. You don't just get right out there and do it. Sort of, you have to think about this. He says, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good but only ruins the hearers. We're going to stop there for now. Instead of just simply moving ahead with this process of the reproduction of the gospel from one life to another, like, you know, okay, okay, Paul, I'm ready to go do it now. Paul says, wait, 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 wait. You have to think about what you're doing first. I, I, I'm all for your enthusiasm, but you have to be wise about this. We have to be wise. Instead of just moving ahead, He's saying, okay, Timothy, if you're going to do this, then you need to know how to lead those under your care by protecting the gospel that is to be reproduced in them. That's key. That's huge. Because if you're not protecting the gospel that is reproduced in the life of another, you will train, disciple them into something other than the gospel. We'll look at that a little bit more here later on. So Timothy is saying, you need to be aware of these things that hinder that process if you are not protecting the gospel. And and just a side note here, please, please know that these instructions uh, for Timothy are not just for the the so-called paid ministers and pastors and preachers. The New Testament witness about who we are as believers is that you are all, if you follow Christ, Paid full-time ministers. It's just, it's just that somebody else might happen to be writing the check that goes into your account. It just might be that somebody else is diverting the resources that are God's into your account. So all of us are full-time paid. It's a lie to believe otherwise. That's an incidental point. <laughs> Verse 14, Paul says, remind them of these things and charge them. Charge them before God. Give them a sense of the importance of it because they're accountable to God for it. And then here's the key thing that Paul wants Timothy to see. Charge them not to quarrel about words. You would have thought that Paul said, charge them to go out those doors, carry the banner, start waving flags, put up some billboards, maybe some Facebook ads. Come follow Jesus. You would have thought that that's kind of the next step. But he says... He says, charge them not to quarrel about words. He is concerned first to ensure that the gospel message remains intact because there were some people in the church there who were perverting that gospel, who were hindering that gospel. Timothy was serving a church where there were some people, and this is not something that's just in the church of Ephesus. He was serving a church or some people would sort of try to steal the light from the gospel and shine it on their own sort of pet theological or or, or sort of doctrinal issues and, and Paul is saying that's not how this works because when that happens, when the plain gospel message becomes muddied with theological fights that are not essential, core, doctrinal matters of Christianity, then what we are doing functionally is we are not fanning the flame, we're throwing water on it. That's why Paul's warning them. If you make non-essentials outside the core stuff, essentials for becoming a believer in Jesus, then you're not fanning the flame, you might even be throwing water on it. So he says, stop, stop having fights, not to quarrel about words. That's sort of a, a good interpretation of that is that it's a word fight. It's a word fight. That's basically what he says there in the, in the language underneath that. He, he says, it does no good. I mean, where's the fruit of it? Where, where are the people coming to Christ as a result of those sort of theological v- things that are way out there, not the core? What, what is the fruit of that? Now, Paul's not saying don't ever argue about doctrine or theology or what Scripture says. I mean, listen, Paul is clearly willing to stand up and fight for the core doctrine of the Gospel, the main content of the Gospel. In Galatians 2, he opposed Peter to his face because he thought the content of the Gospel is at stake in this. I mean, listen, Paul is zealous to ensure that the purity of the Gospel is upheld. But what he's zealous about the purity of the gospel about is so that you can give it away correctly. This is huge. This is huge because when we get together sometimes, when we get together sometimes, we like to say, okay, Jesus has to be Lord of your life and you also have to believe this thing over here that's exactly like I do. And you've taken something, you've made it core Paul is zealous to ensure that the gospel is what is communicated, not just our pet theological interests. Because when you communicate that to people, you become a legalist. You put put strictures, you put requirements, you put tenets on the basics of coming to know Christ that are not the gospel. When your non-essentials become essentials, you run the risk, we run the risk, of making disciples of us who are made in our image and not of Christ. And so we've got to keep that process Something that's done with integrity. We'll come back to that in just a second here. But I want us to go ahead and look at some background about these opposers. It says they remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words. There are quarrels, there are word fights going on. So, so let's look at some content there. Uh, turn with me to 1 Timothy, the first chapter. 1 Timothy, the first chapter, verses 3 through 20. We're not going to look at all those. But we're going to get some color here to this problem that's going on in the church, the quarreling about words. Get some color and a bit of background on that Ephesian problem here. We're just going to kind of look through 1 Timothy 1, 3 to 20. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, verse 3, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus. So that you may charge, as the same word, so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. He names those persons later on. That you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations, rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. There were those from within who were saying, hey, listen, you've got to also think about these things over here, that if you don't believe this like I do, how cool is this? Look at this thing over here, isn't that cool? Isn't that doctrine that ideal over here? Do you know that? And and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a bunch of energy and time is spent out here when energy and time is supposed to be spent right here. Remind, remind yourself. That's kind of what's going on here. People who are promoting what he calls here speculations. Uh, sometimes, without even knowing it, can hinder others from growing in their stewardship, in their responsibility to fan the flame. It's like stealing light that's meant to be shown in the gospel, on the basic message of Christ's love for sinners, and it's like shining it on a smaller, uh, unimportant, sometimes even dangerous issue. I mean, and this is a silly example, but it's it's kind of like this. It's kind of like we get together and we say, "All right, anybody who wants to love Jesus, come," because he will. He will give you freedom from your sin. Come in and love Jesus. Any and all comers. But while you're at it, you're going to have... I mean, I don't really have to say this, but you're going to have to get your hair cut. you probably have to do something about that t- tattoo. And if you're, if you're going like to really show how much you love Jesus, you're going to homeschool, have lots of children, make your own clothes, live on a farm... Only eat organic. Or the exact opposite of that. Whichever whichever fits the congregation or the community that you happen to be a part of. You're probably also going to need to read from the ESV because that's what he preaches from. And, and if you want something else, then you're probably going to have to think exactly like we do. About all these other things that you, you may not yet know about you may not yet know about those things but they are super important. You know what we've done there is we've taken time and energy and resources from the mission of the gospel. That's a perversion. That's a misunderstanding. All the while this person is coming in going, I have to do all that? Like I I just thought Jesus loved me. Well, he does. But we have to be careful. We have to be careful about what we emphasize. We have to be careful. Keep reading there, verse 5. It's a cool way to talk about this here. It's a way to talk about how we need to keep the main thing the main thing. He says this in verse 5. We're still in First Timothy, the first chapter. Paul, speaking to Timothy, he says, the aim of our charge, the goal of our mission is love, not our church brand or our worship style or our end times view, our socioeconomic status. He says, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. That's another way of talking about someone who's an approved worker. We'll talk about that next week. But he says, that's what you need to be, Timothy. You need to be somebody who who issues love from a pure heart, good conscience, and a sincere faith. He says, certain persons, verse 6, certain persons who swerve from those have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law, without, without understanding either what they're saying or the things about which they make very confident assertions. Now jump down to verse 18 here. Sounds a lot like what we've been reading in 2 Timothy. Verse 18. It says, This charge... This charge I entrust to you, Timothy. I give it to you to steward. Guard that good deposit. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Holding faith in a good conscience. So when Paul says, remind them of these things, and charge them before God not to quarrel about words. This is why. Because when we do, it detracts from the mission of the Gospel. He says it does no good. It just ruins the hearers. Let's make this a little more practical. I'm going to show you a diagram that I stole from the ESV study Bible. Some of you have seen me use this before. It helps me think through the things that matter and the things that don't. And believe me, I understand as soon as we're going to talk about this here, uh, different people put different doctrines and standards into different places on this diagram. But this absolute part in the middle, it says absolutes, convictions, opinions, questions, in a decreased order of importance and priority. This main core stuff is not going to change. Those are the absolutes. The full divinity and humanity of Christ. The Trinity three in one. The exclusivity of salvation by Jesus Christ alone. Virgin birth. That He was raised in the third day. All those kind of core things. We will, we will fight and die on those hills. We will, because that's the main stuff of what it means to know Jesus. And that's the mission that we are communicating to people. When we start to communicate convictions and opinions and questions as if they're main essentials, then we have begun to pervert the gospel. We've, we've actually, Paul is saying, we've actually begun to, to, to make the mission hold, hold, held back a little bit. We hinder it by doing it. And you know why? Because it makes me feel good to have you agree with me. It makes me feel good. which is an idol. Seeking agreement over the the truth of the gospel is an idol. Now, I know that as soon as we talk about these things, different people put different doctrines in those places. But let let me read you from our website. The things that we say are absolutes. We believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God who died for our sins and rose from the dead. We believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. We believe that every person has worth as a creation of God, but all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We believe that forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life are available to those who trust Christ as Savior and Lord. We believe that those accepting Christ should repent of sin, confess their faith, and be baptized into him. We believe that the church is the body of Christ on earth, empowered by the Holy Spirit, existing to evangelize the lost and edify the saved. We believe that Jesus Christ will one day return and reign forever as King of kings and Lord of lords. Those things, those things are the absolutes. We will keep these essential at the core, and we will not divide. We will not make a test of fellowship, the things that go outside that. If you perhaps think that the KJV is the only true Bible. I personally may think you're a little crazy. Just like you may think that I'm crazy for using a newfangled ESV. But that is certainly not and never should be a test of fellowship. And we will not make it so. If our views on prophecy and end times are different, and you may think, I'm a liberal for reading some of Scripture figuratively, and I think you're cluelessly fanatical because there's no such thing as a consistent literalist, (laughs) then that's okay. And that should never be a test of fellowship. And we won't make it so... That first Christian. When we put other things into the absolute circle, we change the gospel message, and we are hindered in our call to make disciples. Which is why Paul says in verse 15, "You have to do it this way. You have to do this in a way that's faithful to what the gospel says." Which means you have to know the word. We're back in Second Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2:15. Such a great verse here. Memorize this verse if you memorize nothing else this week. Do your best. To present yourself to God, not to man, not to humanity, not to your boss, not to anybody else. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. How, how, How freeing it is to do life and ministry as someone who is not ashamed about what you're doing with it. That the core of the gospel is the goal. That's what he's saying. Do your best, work hard, be zealous to become an approved worker who rightly handles the word of truth which is the written word here. It's the the content of the gospel who correctly divides the word of truth like a surgeon who cuts away the parts that aren't gospel so that you have the pure gospel that remains. When you do that and you communicate that and that's your focus, then you are an approved worker who has no need to be ashamed. Listen, friends, we we have not gathered today to to figure it all out, to reassure ourselves that we are correct and the other church down the street is not. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, we are resolved to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We are gathered to worship Him together so that we would be one-minded about the mission of the gospel. We are gathered not to be right about everything, but to learn together to faithfully carry the torch of God's kingdom to another who doesn't know freedom from sin. We're here to discover for ourselves, to remind ourselves, That is the heart of God to save sinners that motivates the believer to share the Gospel, to communicate it by what we do and what we say. Friends, the basic Gospel message that we proclaim is that a perfect and sinless, holy, worthy of all worship, God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, so that His perfect life would count for ours. So that we would be justified, legally declared righteous before Him. Though we didn't deserve it. <laughs> Which is to say the gift of the Gospel of Grace was given to us with, with, with the proviso, with the idea <laughs> that it would be given away freely to someone else. let's never forget that whatever else whatever else comes up let us never forget that let's pray friends